Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Belmont Banter. And today, well, I'm absolutely thrilled that we've got Peter Gies on. Now, in case you need your memory jogging, and I don't think you should, Peter's been a fixture on local radio and around local football and indeed cricket for many, many years. Um, and I'm pleased that he's on uh, today. Hi, Peter. How are you doing, mate? Uh, very well, thank you, Tony. Thank you for very much for inviting me to talk to you. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Well, it makes such a change because you're normally the one that's uh, sitting where I'm sitting. But my question to you is then away you go. It's what's your earliest memory of football and then where did it take you? Oh, earliest memory of football. Um, I, I, I have to hold my hands up and say it was, it was my grandfather's fault. And, and it, was a, it was a very famous year, 1966. Oh. He, he was an ardent West Ham United supporter and he took me to see West Ham at the bowling ground in 1966. I, I can remember it vividly because uh, West Ham beat the Spurs <coughs> 3-0. Yeah, um, that day, and of course, you know the famous trio were in were in the squad. Then a few months later, my grandfather took me to Wembley to see the opening game in the World Cup, which was England Uruguay, uh, which was a thoroughly boring nil nil draw. <laughs> they're, they're not all they're not all spectacular, are they? No, they aren't. And and, and uh, we were we were probably round about the corner flag, but. But right up in the gods, so to speak. So as a as a young lad of what would I I would have been eleven, I think. Yeah, eleven. Uh, I was just you know what, what's all this about? You know, because <laughs> uh, we could hardly see. They were just like ants on the pitch, you know, okay. and uh, from from our vantage point. But uh, yeah, thoroughly boring nil nil draw. But it got me hooked. It got me hooked, and, and uh, uh, as far as football is concerned, I just went on from there. Uh, there was a friend of mine who lived in, in Chessfield. Uh, we went to school together down in Ramsgate, and um, at that tender age, uh, well, I, by then I'd have been about 13, maybe even 14, and myself and, and Howard, his name was, we used to go up to London every weekend, every weekend, um, depending on who was at home was would be where we would go. So so we would go to we go to West Ham, we would go to Chelsea, uh, we would go to uh, Arsenal. We will uh, we never went to Spurs. I don't know why. Queens Park Rangers. I remember going to Loftus Road in the old days with you know those um, immense uh, terraces behind the goal. Wow. Um, we we went there. Uh, so we went all over London, just depending on who was playing. Uh, as I say, as a tender age of thirteen and fourteen. It didn't matter in those days, did it? You could no, do that as a young right. teenager with no fear of of, of anything bad happening. Um, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's what really got me hooked on on going to to as many football grounds as I possibly could and, and got me into to, to what I was doing for, for the rest of my life, basically. Now, a thought just occurred to me when you mentioned where you went to school. I guess you were catching the train from Chessfield down to Ramsgate, were you? Yes, we were. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. that got you hooked on trains. No worry about travelling anywhere, hence nope. the travelling to London. 
That's right. Yes. Yeah. And and trains have, have been a, a passion of mine for 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 as, as that many years as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was half an hour journey, I think, down to down to Ramsgate, and then we had about a mile to walk to the school. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, and you did it, no problem at all. Oh, it's just part of life, wasn't it? Yeah, just absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what and, about your own sort of football prowess? Did you play at all? I, d- I played a few. I mean, I wasn't brilliant, you know, because I'm short of stature and people could knock me off the ball quite easily. And uh, in those days, I was a skinny lad, of course. And, mm-hmm. and uh, But I, d- I did have half a dozen games for um, Herne Bay Reserves um, back in back in those days. And, uh, I, I, I even made a couple of substitute appearances for the first team. That was in the old Kent League. Wow. Um, but, but that was it. That was it. I never got any further than that. So, so, so yeah, half a dozen games in the reserves and a couple of subs appearances in in the first team, and that was it. yeah, that that was but, it. Uh, I I was far more comfortable talking about football than I was playing it. But I'm always intrigued as to how all of us. I'm not going to say all of a sudden because it probably was a bit of a progression. But then you suddenly find yourself reporting on it, viewing it. How did it all start? Well, it it started. I mean, back in those days. Uh, and we're talking 70s, 80s here, yeah. the, 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 there were not the opportunities to get into broadcasting that there are today, um, because today you've got so many radio stations, so many TV stations, etc, etc, etc. But back in those days, it was the BBC or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opportunities just weren't there. Uh, as a young lad, I, I, as you as we said, I, I used to go to football, used to go to cricket as well. I would listen incessantly to people like John Arlott and uh, Brian Johnston on TMS. And I thought, that is the career I want to do. I want to be broadcasting and telling people about cricket. Um, and if I do a bit of football as well, so be it. Uh, but there weren't the opportunities to get into it, get into it in those days. Uh, so, so I had to go and get a proper job, which I did, and I worked in London um, in the civil service for for uh, a considerable amount of time. Um, but all of the time, I still had this nagging feeling that I want this is what I wanted to do. I really wanted to do this. I knew it didn't pay very well um, in those days, so I got the job and uh, I, I honed my skills, if you like, on the hospital radio. Uh, which which a lot of broadcasters do I mean if you talk to broadcasters in the national scene now you'll find they started on hospital radio Um, and so that's what I did Uh, and then it got to the stage where uh, a few of my friends um, managed to get into broadcasting one of them said to me um, this was in the days of uh, Invicta and Invicta Gold, if you remember oh, yeah. those. I remember, yeah. Um, he got a job there and, and, and he said, do you fancy doing a couple of football games for us? Uh, so I said, uh, yeah, of yeah. course I do. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I, I, I earned my first few pennies commentating, I, I think it was a sitting ball game, when they had the old state... It, the old stadium, not the ball ground, the uh, oh, Central, the, Park. Yeah, Central Park. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so I think that was the first game I did. Uh, and then it, it just blossomed from there. And I was doing this on a freelance basis for not very much money uh, as a side effect, if you like, to, yeah. the, to the job I was doing. And then all of a sudden, uh, at the tender age of 52, my the 
people I were working for um, in, the, in, in, in government said, um, we, want to, we want to merge departments, so we don't need two heads. You're over 50, what would you think about taking early retirement? Um, so I said, uh, what's it worth? And they said, here's the package. And I said, thank you very much. Um, I'll go whenever you want me to. Uh, <laughs> so uh, That's what I did. And then I got, in, um, I got in touch with a few people that I knew in broadcasting and said, look, I'm now a free agent. Do you want me to do anything for you? Uh, and, and off I went. It wow. was it was terrific. I, I, I started doing a few bits for um, our good friend Matt Davison at uh, BBC Radio Kent. And then I got into um, independent radio from people that I knew there. And so I did a few a few things for independent radio as well. A couple of written articles for people like um, the Manchester Telegraph and stuff like that. And, uh, and off I went. And then eventually um, it got to the stage where BBC Radio Kent wanted to do cricket commentary um, online and, and uh, asked me to do that. Uh, and I think for a couple of years, I was probably known as the voice of Kent cricket by, by one or two people. Certainly uh, were, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, 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 off, off I went. And, and, and I, I have to say, it's been, it's been charming. Um, you know, the 10 to 15, well, 15 years I was doing that. Um, and uh, I, I, I've been blessed, really, because I managed to commentate or report from every single test match ground in the country and uh, as far as football goes uh, I managed to commentate on two FA Vars finals uh, the first one in 2000 which you'll remember with uh, when Deal Town won it Roley yeah. Graham scoring the winner yeah. uh, and the second one when Tunbridge Wells got to the to the FA Vars final so at both Wembleys uh, which which was great, was great. Um, and been all over the country all over the country doing this sort of thing um, and and it's been absolutely fantastic really really enjoyed it wished I got into it when I was in my late teens early 20s because i might i might have been able to to force my way into uh, into tms uh, but never managed that what a great team they had at one time didn't they oh, oh fantastic fantastic yeah tell me something what was the very first cricket match that you um, broadcast for because cricket as opposed to football football's a condensed hour and a bit two hours but cricket is well it's a day so When's the, what's the first sort of full one that you did? The first full one I did would have been at Canterbury. Uh, and I didn't do this for the BBC. I did this for uh, an independent radio station. Uh, I think it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was against Leicestershire. Uh, I can't remember the year, but it would have been some time ago now. But it was, uh, but it was only on the phone. They only wanted um, phone-in reports. Uh, oh, right. which so, was fine yeah, which was yeah. fine I mean the audio quality is not brilliant obviously but um, uh, it, it was great it was it was my foot in the door if you like yeah. um, and uh, from there uh, it went on to 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 bigger and better things um, uh, another good friend of mine Mark Webber uh, mm -hmm. who you will hear on Football Focus now, doing reports all from all over the country. Uh, also a lecturer at uh, Nottingham University in, in media studies. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so he, he got me a job doing um, 
doing cricket reports uh, for an independent radio station on the AM wave band. Um, wow. Uh, uh, it was probably a forerunner to talk sport, to be honest. Um, but uh, it, it, it uh, that was good um, because that was that was four days worth of cricket for me at places like the Oval and. Um, lords and places like that. That was before the media spaceship at the nursery inn. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I know what you mean by the media spaceship. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole experience in itself. Um, once uh, once that came along, uh, and uh, I was with the BBC by then. Um, we had the. I used to have the. I, I suppose in a sense I did get to TMS because we used to broadcast when TMS aren't doing a game. The the the. the other BBC re, um, reporters and commentators can use the TMS box. Uh, so uh, I, I, I have broadcast from the, the Test Match special box at the Oval uh, and at Lords. Uh, oh, so, so I suppose I got there, really. Uh, <laughs> one thing's always intrigued me, and that is the silences, and particularly with cricket, not with football mm. so much, but with cricket, because there is a time when it's almost silence mm. not quite because you've got the crowd noise the, the the ball hitting the bat or whatever is there an art to coming in and going out you know as far as speaking is concerned the, the the crucial element with with cricket is to describe the delivery and what happens with it so when the ball is bowled um and the batsman does whatever he does um that needs to be described that is the paramount point uh, about uh, cricket commentary in between all that say whatever you like uh, yeah. basically provided it's reasonable and, and intelligible yeah uh, it, th th those are the crucial things that you've you've got to get and and obviously the score uh, and so on and so forth so uh, but there's a lot you can do within that um, you know you, you will often hear cricket commentators describe the delivery from the moment the bowler starts his run up you know they will say things they will say things like um fred bloggs turns at the top of his run and that's the start of the commentary on the delivery and then you know you'll you'll go through that uh and and, and it runs past the umpire right arm over the wicket um outside the off stump and uh joe leaves it leaves it alone uh, and it goes through to the keeper. That's that's the essential part. Uh, and then then between then and the next delivery, which which can be thirty seconds or so, um, describe something else. You have to remember that on radio, uh, you are the listener's eyes. They can't. The listener cannot see what is going on. You need to describe to the listener what is happening. Painting a verbal picture. Exactly. Yes. Um, to, and, and to do that, obviously, you need a vocabulary that's that's not repetitive, yes. and, but is is reasonably erudite. Uh, and uh, so just just describe it. I mean, it may be uh, that, say, uh, two of the, the younger players who aren't in the team are walking around the, the boundary to go to the indoor school. What's wrong with you? Say that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just conjures up a picture. Uh, I, I remember one particular point, um, and this wasn't in between deliveries or in between overs or anything like that. This was it, it I, I, again, it was at Canterbury. Uh, I wasn't doing it for Kent at that at that point I, uh, for that particular match. Can't remember who is against, but I was doing it for the 
um, for the away station, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there was there was a it, it was raining. There was no play. And they came to me for a 30 second update. Everything in the BBC is 30 seconds yeah. or 25 seconds or something like that, unless you are doing um, live commentary and then it's obviously all the time. Yeah. But, but it was pouring hard. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. It was into a news bulletin, so it had to be 30 seconds, could yeah. be 29, they wouldn't worry about that. Uh, and uh, they wanted something on the game fr from me. Um, and I described a lone spectator um, sitting under his golfing umbrella in the green seats, um, <laughs> defying the weather, uh, patiently waiting for the rain to stop and for play to start, uh, and and the you you will know if when you go to St, the St Lawrence Ground in Canterbury, there's always an ice cream van sitting just beside the uh, the, the Les Ames stand. Yeah. Uh, so I, I and I describe this the, you know the, the, this ice cream van sitting. Um, lonely beside the Les Amstead, <laughs> waiting for customers as well. Um, and, and that was, you know, it was a picture. Yeah. It, it told people what was going on, even though there was no cricket <laughs> going on. <laughs> and, and, and that's the way to do it. It adds, it's called um, another good friend, uh, a friend of mine, Andy Garland, who works for um, yeah. the BBC. He, he would also, he would always be talking um, to, to us about adding colour and that's what it is it's it adding colour people who listen on the radio can't see what's going on you need to be their eyes yeah. and and turn what you see uh into a, as you quite rightly called it a verbal picture so that that then they they then hear that and then they conjure up the picture in their own minds of what you've what you've talked about um it, it it's something that is is totally different from from tv because with tv a person can see what is going on yeah uh, so I, I was always taught like, i've done a few bits of tv not a lot um and i was always taught that you should not say anything unless you are adding to the picture oh good idea because yeah. the people can people they can, can see yeah. what is going on yeah. so you need to add something um color if you like yeah. uh, and uh, it, it's what it's, it's one of my biggest biggest bugbears and, and, and makes me grind my teeth and shrink away um, when I hear these uh, especially now you hear um, TV commentators for they're the worst in my in my opinion um, they will because they have not got anything reasonable to add to the picture they'll reel off all their research notes about the stats and mm. when someone last scored a goal and mm. um, you know what the left winger had for breakfast and you know, all these sorts of things yeah. just as just to be able to say something, say something yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I don't think it actually adds because I it, it makes me want to turn off yeah. um, because because I, I can see what's going on um, you know if you're not got anything re uh, sensible to say just let just just let me see the pictures. Absolutely. Now, a completely different format and a different way of uh, reporting entirely, football. Mm. And how did you get, what happened with the football then? How did you get into that? 
well it it was much it was pretty much the same sort of um journey really um i i, I started out doing football and then went on to cricket mm-hmm. um and then did a bit of rugby a bit of athletics that sort of thing but but football uh, really got me into broadcasting, and as I say, I think the, the Sittingbourne game was the first one, first one I did. But then I I, I went on and 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 did um, higher games. Um, I did a um, a Crystal Palace game. Uh, they were playing Torquay, I think. Uh, I think it was a League Cup game at Sellers Park, mm-hmm. and. Um, BBC Devon phoned me up and said, "Could you go and do this game for?" Us? So, so, so I did that, and and it is it's intense, mm-hmm. it's intense because as you say, um, it's it's an hour and a half. Although for the broadcaster, it's a lot longer than that oh, no, um, yes. because there are pre-match um, things to do, setting the scene, that sort of thing, and then there's the post-match interview to do normally with the manager or one of the players or both or or whatever uh so it is a it is a longer um longer longer term thing for the the broadcaster than it is for um the the match itself Uh, but that that hour and a half is intense absolutely intense because football is one of the fastest moving games there is yes no doubt about that um maybe ice hockey would top it but uh, certainly football is, is is in my view one of the more intense games and and with football it's slightly different because you need to be able to read the game mm-hmm. you need to be able to see what's going on uh, not just the guy who's got the ball you need to be able to take in with whatever peripheral vision you've got um what else is happening on the pitch so for example if a player has got the ball in his own half uh, let's just say um you know a few yards outside the the penalty area left hand side maybe um you need to be able to take into account what he might do with that yeah. um where are his midfield players where's his right winger um has he got someone going down the line because you you need to be able to say fred's got the ball on that position and uh he's he's got so and so moving there he's got an opportunity to go there you're you're almost getting inside the head of the player mm-hmm. um and and trying to understand what he might do what he could do what opportunities has he missed is yeah. that a good pass is it a bad pass why has he done that? Why shouldn't he do that? You know, all those sorts of things. And um, you don't have to be a football coach or a qualified football coach to no. be able to understand those. If you've been in the game long enough and have seen as many games as, as, as you do, uh, then, then you can understand the plays uh, and, and, and just describe that. Because, again, that is adding colour to it. Yes. Uh, otherwise, you're back to the original days of of commentary in the you know 1900 and frozen to death, where you say, uh, "Well, the balls moved from square A one to B C and all that sort of thing." <laughs> uh, awful long time ago. But but it's it, yeah, that's that's what you need to do because because that adds colour to it. Um, one of the things coming out of that is because when we're doing football commentary, um, especially at the higher league grounds. Uh, we're always up halfway up the stand or at the back of the stand. Yeah. So you, you have got the whole pitch on the show. You yeah. can see the play from there. Uh, if, if, if you're down at ground level, um, then that 
appreciation of the pitch and what might or might not happen is less, yes. in my view. Yes. Uh, because I can't see it. It's almost like see... having the best seat in the house, isn't it? Exactly. Yes, yeah. the best seat in the house, uh, which has always made me think, why are the dugouts, especially when they were dugouts, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right down low? Right down low. Why are they right down low? What What can the managers possibly see? Yeah. I, I guess it's it 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 sort of brings home why. Uh, you had people like Malcolm Allison and uh, other managers in that era who went and sat in the director's box for the first half. Yes. And didn't go down to the to the dugout or the, or the technical area, exactly. as it is now called, yeah. because they could see from that position the what was happening. Pitch, yeah. See the yeah, whole yeah. of the pitch. They see they see what their players are doing. They're, they're, they're seeing what opportunities their players are missing. Um, and then... At half time, they will go down to the technical area, and they would make the the appropriate changes. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's it's an interesting question. I'd like to know, um, you know, from from some managers, what advantage they've actually got to being on the sideline. Well, uh, that's always puzzled me a bit because uh, when you see that a, a manager has been sent to the stands or whatever, you know, he's, <laughs> he's he's gone up the stands for whatever reason. They must, as you quite rightly say, get a better view of the overall pitch, mustn't they? Yeah. And now, of course, they've all got their walkie-talkies, uh, so they can be up there and they can talk to the talk to the assistant manager or the coach down on the bench they, and say, do. do this, do that. Now, <laughs> or, I, I, I know, Pete, that there's going to be quite a few, uh, let's, let's say youngsters, uh, even, you know, people that are looking for a career change or something to do for a bit of fun. How would they get in today's world? You've you've told your journey how you managed it. Mm. In today's world, what sort of advice would you give an up and coming, let's say, broadcaster for one to, to wrap it all into one? Yeah. What would, uh, what would you say? Yeah. Anybody who wants to get into it has got many, many more opportunities uh, than were around when I was a, a, a young lad. Um, I think uh, you know the first thing to do is to is to just do it for yourself. Go to a game. Uh, make notes if you like and then write a report um, you can also uh, I mean I used to do it I used to used to write reports for the local um, paper uh, they love them because they haven't got the resources to be able to cover as many games as, as they would like no, um, and, and and you won't get paid for it uh, it'll it'll be uh, free and gratis for them uh, but it will get your name out there as well um, if if they give you the byline, of course. Um, so that's that's a good thing to do. If you can get on to taking media studies at degree level, uh, then by all means do it, because that will teach you an awful lot. As I said, a, fr a friend of mine was a, a lecturing in, in media studies at Nottingham University, um, um, and uh, he, he would ensure that his students got real-life opportunities. So he, he would liaise with all of the club's at whatever level within the area for, for, for his students to go and cover a game um, and, and write reports and do broadcasts on it back to the, back to the university. Uh, so that is great. Now, but if, you, if you're not going to go to university and do that, then it's a more tortuous route, if you like. You, you need to do those 
um, free reports uh, for yourself and, and, and for local rags. They will, they, will, they will welcome it. But there are other opportunities. Uh, the BBC, for example, has, has young apprentice um, opportunities yeah. and, and do advertise them for people to get into, into sports broadcasting. Put yourself forward for for one of those um, and internships and all, all those sorts of things. Um, there are lots of avenues uh, in in order to get into into broadcasting, um, but you do need to have or at least um, be prepared to to hone uh, those skills in in being able to describe to people what's happening. Uh, so by all means, do that. You can do that yourself. Uh, by by just going to an event uh, and recording a piece everybody's got most people have got a phone now that has has got a recording instrument on it do it uh, and, and then listen back to it and and say do i understand what's going on by from what this this chap is telling me it's, it's yourself telling yourself but if you can't understand what you are saying uh, then maybe you need to, to to try and do it in a in a different way, different way yeah. Um, yeah and and listen to people i mean listen listen to to people doing um especially radio commentary listen to the radio commentaries of of, of games uh, and 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 just get to learn the order in which they do things, uh, the the way in which they do it. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I I had an opportunity at one stage to be an anchor. Um, I was reporting on, I was doing commentary on a game. I think it was a Chillingham game at Priestfield, uh, and I was doing live commentary on it. But I was I was also anchoring for the rest of the games that were around the the county. Wow. So so you would get the producer in your ear saying, "Go to so and so," or this this has happened so and so um so so you need I, you do need to be able to chatter away in what you're doing and yeah. still have a, a an ear uh, to what the the studio is telling you Brilliant. Um, yeah uh, so so there are those there are those opportunities apprenticeships internships um writing reports for yourself or for your local newspaper write reports for the 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 uh, the club that you're actually going to see as well um, for their program um, and for their websites uh, and that sort of thing uh, it all hones the skills and, and eventually you'll find your own style um, and if that style fits with a broadcaster happy days thank you peter that's brilliant um what about up to date now because uh, we're almost going to go full circle because you started off watching football you're still involved with football now now, as I understand it, you're the secretary of a ladies' football team. Indeed, so, yes. How, yes. how did that all happen then? Um, <laughs> well, well, that was that was interesting. Um, I, I mean, I think uh, I'm secretary at Herne Bay Women, uh, and that started oh, 2012. I think the, the the reincarnation of that because there was a team um, way back in the 60s, but it. it didn't take off that well and uh, and Whistable Town had a, a women's yeah. team as well a few years ago won the Southeast Counties League as I recall did, yeah and uh, so so you know it, it's it's a it's a growing sport if you like in fact it's I think someone told me the other day it's the fastest growing sport um, in women's football uh, and uh, I got I got quite interested I knew a few people who were doing it 
um, and who were involved with it. And I thought, I'll go and have a look. I'll go along and have a look at this. Because uh, I'd seen a couple of women's games on the telly and thought, mm. actually, this is quite good. Good standard, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good standard. And and so I went along uh, to one of those early games back in 2012 and thought, yeah, I could I could get involved with this. I could, I could do this. This would this would be good. Uh, it, it started from there, and and I've been with them uh, ever since uh, as as secretary. Um, with you know, and there are all the uh, the things that a secretary of any club has to do, um, especially a football club. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there, there's all the. Um, uh, pre-match stuff uh, of notifying referees and opponents and all of that sort of thing there's 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 all the post-match stuff to do the all the admin that you've got to do for for the football association and the leagues after after a game has has been played um and it's been relatively successful um i think there's something about something like about eight trophies uh, have been won um since 2012 uh, up, up to now uh, and the the team is is currently playing in the london and southeast league uh, which is step six um and and doing quite well this season they got to the first round proper of the women's fa cup uh which is which is an achievement uh, having got get through the qualifying competitions mm. um and, and and there's a reserve team as well um, which is doing exceptionally well. It's it's top of its its league. They play in the the southeast counties league. So it, it it's and it, and it's very it's very pleasing. Uh, it, it can be difficult at times. Um, emotions play a big part in it, but uh, it, it is it, it is satisfying and and, and fulfilling. Uh, and I'm just pleased that that there is a good group there um with with a good group of coaching and management as well mm -hmm. um that uh, that is lifting the, the the team uh to 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 a higher standard and we, we played in in the last it was the last qualifying round of the women's fa cup uh we played the women from wickham wanderers Fabulous. so that's the sort of level you're talking about um and in our league uh in the first team's league um there are teams with some big names as fulham uh, for example um, uh, play in play in that league they've come down a couple of divisions yeah. um since they since they were formed but um they're playing in that league um qpr uh, another one fantastic um, you know so 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 the 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 standards of names are there and the standard of women football is increasing all the time it, mm. it is coming along exponentially and and some of this is because the coaches um and the management teams um the on-field management teams this is are are getting more into the game uh, I mean, it isn't just it isn't just one of the players' parents doing it anymore. It is, you know, we, we have we have UEFA B qualified coaches um, and level two and level one coaches um, doing training uh, and attending the matches and overseeing everything as well. That's fantastic. Uh, so, so that is one of the reasons why why it's come on, um, and and certainly at, at this women's club. Um, the standard of players has increased as well, not just the players who were there, because some of them obviously have got older, as happens with any team. Um, 
and uh, they've been replaced, uh, and and they're being replaced now at the moment with 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 folk from higher league opposition. Uh, so, for example, this season we we have signed people from um, Gillingham, uh, who play in the national structure, uh, and that national structure is only two divisions above where we are at the moment. Uh, so, Gillingham, uh, we've had one from Charlton, we've got one from Chelsea, we've had one from Palace all come to uh, to the club that's fantastic um, and, it, and it's lifting it um, and, and, and as I say it is satisfying uh, and and good attendances at matches as well at home matches um, for the first round proper of the FA Cup we had I think it was 165 um, through the Brilliant. gate doesn't Brilliant. sound doesn't sound a lot but there are lots of Isthmian north sides for example uh, in the men's game who would, would, would love 165 through would the gate love 165 yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're averaging over 100 anyway um, for, for normal league games which again some men's sides would 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 give their right arm for Too uh, true. so it just shows how much it has progressed in 10 years um, and I'm hoping uh, that it will progress even further over the next 10 years. Brilliant. Well, Peter, we're a bit time sensitive on this. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed our chat today because it's taken me on a journey, your football journey. And I've learned a lot more about what you've done in the past. Uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for you because uh, as an 11 year old uh, traveling up to London and uh, with your mate to go to all those different grounds, but as you rightly say, and that's quite an interesting thing that you said then, when you, we didn't think about the travelling in those days, did no. we? we didn't worry about it. But Not you know all. what? I'll just, I'll just draw a parallel. I've got two daughters. Now they're both in their 30s. Uh, but when they were in their, let's say, late teens, my wife and I were concerned about them, obviously, because they were going out to clubs and everything. And my eldest daughter at the time said to me, Dad, it's the world we live in today and we're used to it. It's mm. what it's what we're used to. And whereas you and I were used to what it was like when we were young, they now are used to what is today. So that really taught me a little bit of a lesson about taking a step back and letting them do their own thing. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to stop it now, Peter. So just from me here at Belmont Banter and Peter Geese, can I call you a very successful broadcaster? If you um, wish, I'd be delighted if you Well, said I would that. say that because a very <laughs> successful broadcaster, Peter Gies, on the other end of a Zoom call from me and from Peter. Goodbye, guys, and we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Peter. Thank you very much, Tony. You're welcome, Peter. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter. For news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.